Welcome everyone. My name is Darren Snow and I am the senior pastor at Crossroads Community Church in Aurora, Illinois. And I am so glad that you are joining us for today's podcast of our weekly Sunday sermon. Amen, amen, welcome. Wow, what a packed house. Um, we are here for Jesus tonight, amen. Uh, what a privilege that it is uh, to be here. You may be seated. Uh, his love ran red and I tell you, man, I just sense God's presence in this place. Uh, we know he's here. He promises to be. Um, but we are ready, Lord, for whatever you have for us uh, tonight. If you're joining us online, I'm so grateful uh, that you have joined us on our online platform. And for those of you who are here, welcome to Crossroads. My name is Caleb. I'm one of the pastors here. And it is my absolute honor to stand before you on Good Friday. Some 2,000 years ago, those who were present witnessed the greatest act of love that would ever be known in all of eternity. The greatest demonstration of love by the humble, perfect, willing sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And as we are here to remember Him, there's so much that we could go into tonight to examine in the Word of God. We could get into all of the particular details from the garden where Jesus demonstrated great anxiety as he awaited the inevitable penalty that he knew that was before him, we could discuss how Jesus was betrayed, denied by those who were closest to him. We could talk about how he was passed back and forth like some criminal between Pilate and Caiaphas and beaten and a crown of thorns placed upon his head. We could go into all of those details, but I would rather tonight just kind of take a step back and zoom out and for our discussion in this short time to be about what the cross accomplished for you and for me. Because all of those events, as important as they are, they are all leading up to the why, the purpose, what the cross accomplished for you and for me, and the implications of that affect eternity for you and for me. And if you're here tonight and do not consider yourself a follower of Jesus yet, or you're watching online, we want you to know there is hope through the cross. What we really see accomplished on Good Friday, through the death of our Savior, is theologically what we would call the substitutionary atonement of Jesus. Now, those are big fancy words, but the idea of a substitute is not new to probably anyone in the room tonight. The substitute is the teacher who comes and takes the place of your teacher who's supposed to be there for some reason. They simply come and stand in the teacher's place. They, they fill in for 
the teacher. A substitute is simply someone who stands in the place of another. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He was first our substitute. We are the sinners. Jesus was not. He never sinned. He lived a perfect life. He was the perfect, spotless son of God. Yet he decided to be our substitute, to take our place because we deserved the cross. The truth of the matter is when you get into the circumstances of some of the final moments of Jesus' life, what you will see is the first example of the substitutionary atonement. It took place before Jesus died on the cross. As Jesus is standing before Pilate and the angry mob is there demanding for him to be crucified, Pilate looks at the situation and he says, this man does not deserve death. What do you mean crucify this man? He's done nothing wrong. Who would you rather be in his place? Who would you rather exchange him for? And the crowd cried out, give us Barabbas. Barabbas was a man who was already in custody because he was a murderer. Here we have the spotless, perfect son of God who has done nothing but love, nothing but obey God completely and fully, nothing but heal, nothing but wash people's stinky feet who didn't deserve it. He laid down his life. He emptied himself and the crowd cries, give us the murderer. And for the very first time, we see even before the cross, the substitute of our Jesus. Because do you know what happened? Pilate said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll give you Barabbas. Give us Jesus. And church, what we saw for the very first time there in those events is Jesus as our substitute. Because the perfect Christ surrendered into custody. And do you know what happened? The murderer was set free. That's exactly what Jesus came to do for us. You may not be a murderer, but Jesus came to set the sinner free. And he demonstrated that before he even went to the cross, this idea of the substitute, this, this idea of setting the sinner free, and then simply the atonement part of this the word atone just simply means covering. It means that Jesus came, his blood provided the covering or the payment for all of our sin. In other words, Jesus' death was not a partial payment. It was a complete payment. He did not put a down payment for our sin and then say, at some point, your good works will make up the difference. No, it was paid in full. That's what he came to do. You see, we have this issue of sin, but in order for forgiveness to be allowed, a payment had to be made. 
You may ask why Jesus, why the life of the Son of God, God's righteousness demanded this high of a price. A holy, perfect, righteous God looked at his Son, and this was the only way. But the beautiful thing for us to realize is that Jesus was not forced to do this. He willingly made this payment for us. He was fully God and fully man, but no one made him do it. It was the call of God upon his life. He could have backed out at any moment, yet Jesus willingly laid down his life for our sin. And here's the beautiful part. He paid the price, yet we get to enjoy the result of his sacrifice when we respond appropriately to what he has done. And then we stand before God totally forgiven. The debt paid in full. When we come by the way of the cross, which is the only way, we receive total forgiveness from him. Friday had to take place before Sunday because death always precedes resurrection. The same is true for Jesus and the same is true for you and I. We have to come to the cross and die before we can experience resurrection. That's what Jesus showed us demonstrated for us. Hebrews chapter 10 helps kind of bring all of this home for us and will be our main passage for tonight. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 12 and 14 really lay out the sacrifice for us. Here's what the Bible says. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God. Verse 14 says, For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. What we see here in these two beautiful verses, and I I pray you would just go and just sit on those two, just meditate on those two beautiful verses because a lot is taking place there. What we see first is a willing sacrifice. In verse 12, it says, when Christ had offered, Jesus offered himself as the sacrifice. He was a willing sacrifice. Secondly, we see in these verses, there was a sufficient payment for sin. If you notice, he offered a single sacrifice for sin. A single offering in verse 14. And then the fact that after he died and rose again, he sat down at the right hand of God. Once he ascended back unto heaven, the fact that he sat down conveys to us the truth that the payment was sufficient. The work was complete. So Jesus sat on his throne in his rightful place where he continues today to rule and reign over all of the universe. A willing sacrifice, a sufficient payment, and we also see a secure people in verse 14. 
Verse 14 says, for by a single offering, he has perfected. That's in the past tense. Perfected for how long? All time. Those who are being sanctified. So what we see in verse 14 is a position and a process. When you come by the way of the cross, when you confess your sin to Jesus and place your faith in him, that's the moment where you are totally forgiven. The debt is paid. You are justified or declared righteous before God. And then those who are being sanctified, that's the process of becoming more and more like him. But you've got to see the position that when you come by the way of the cross, when you come on his terms, you have been perfected for all time. Then go live your life being about the work of sanctification perfected, it's done. We see that Jesus not only came to do something for us, but he came to do something to us and through us. That is to save us and use us for his glory. I came across an amazing discovery. When you dig into the Bible, you find amazing things. That word perfected, I looked at a little further. And that word in the original language is the Greek root word teleo. And I thought, well, that sounds familiar. And so I was examining other parts of the Bible. And when you come across John's account, the Gospel of John, and you look at the final words that Jesus said before he died. Do you remember those final words? It is finished. But in the original language, it is finished is tetelestai. Do you know what the root word for tetelestai is? It is finished. It's teleo. The same root word that the writer of Hebrews uses to describe yours and my salvation, that he has perfected us the moment we come to the cross. So literally speaking, the book of Hebrews mirrors Jesus's final words. So what Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, is the same thing that is to be true for you and I when we come by the cross, that in terms of our salvation, it is finished and it is done. To Tetelestai. When it comes to your salvation, am I saved? Am I going to heaven? If you come by the way of the cross and you come through Jesus to Telestai, it is done. He completed the work and he gives us that position. The moment we place our faith, our hope, and our trust in him. Your position before God when you come by the way of the cross regarding sin's payment, it's finished. It's complete. Paul summed it up pretty well in Romans chapter 6, verse 10. 
when he wrote, For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. It is finished, it is done. The cost of our sin is way too expensive. We can't pay the price, so don't even try. Don't try to work your way to heaven because if you try to work your way to heaven, it's an offense to the cross of Christ because he's already done the work. Why would you try to outwork the Son of God? It doesn't make any sense. It's paid in full. It's done. So if you're here tonight considering, how do I receive this forgiveness If you come by the way of Jesus and ask him for forgiveness, here's the point of truth that can be true for you tonight. The debt of your sin is paid in full. So if you want it is finished in your own life, it only comes by the way of the cross. But you see, here's what happens by the enemy and the accuser. When we are children of God, sometimes he'll come and try to get in your ear. And one of the words that describes the enemy is accuser. And he'll try to catch you in a season of making mistakes, try to cause you to doubt. And we need to stand upon the work of Jesus. That's how we can be confident in the face of the enemy's attempts to accuse us and cause us to doubt. Just when things seem to be going fairly well, here he comes back in, opening his mouth, accusing you, reminding you of your sin. And not only does Tetelestai testify to the fact of your salvation, but you ought to use that to push back on the enemy and his lies. So when he comes and says, do you remember who you used to be? Do you remember what you used to be about? Do you remember what you did last week or maybe last night or 10 years ago? You tell the enemy to tell us die. I told someone earlier that they commented on us wearing black tonight in unison. And I said, well, I'm just dressed for Satan's funeral tonight. Because it's done. He's defeated and he's not happy about it. You see, church, I don't want you to see what Jesus did and miss what he came to do. I don't want you to be here tonight and just think this is about religion. I just I don't want you to just see what he did. I don't want I want you to see the cross, but I don't want you to just see what he did and miss what he came to do because he came for you. You got to personalize this. He came for you, for you to be redeemed and set free. So so what do we do with this? How do we respond appropriately to this truth of the cross of Christ? Well, if you have yet to place your faith, hope, and trust in him, it's simply about placing your trust and belief in what Jesus has done, that it is enough. And you can simply do that by by praying to him. Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. 
Jesus, I believe in who you are. Commit my life to you. I confess you are now my Lord. In whatever way you articulate that, the most important thing about the cross is how you respond. And Jesus wants to set you free tonight if you have yet to place your faith, hope, and trust in him. For those of you who have already done so, one of the ways that we respond appropriately and in worship to what Jesus has done for us is through the sacrament of Holy Communion. We do this often here at Crossroads if you're a guest of ours tonight. And communion is really important to us because it was important to Jesus. The entire communion meal and experience is a response to what Jesus commanded us to do on Thursday night of Holy Week at the Last Supper. It is our opportunity to celebrate and commemorate what Jesus has done for us, that he laid his his body and his blood on the line literally for our sins. By his wounds we are healed, you've already heard. And we always ask a couple of questions to help you get your heart and mind right because in the the context of 1 Corinthians 11, the Apostle Paul writes and he says, hey, you should approach this in the right way. This is my paraphrase. And what was happening at the church at Corinth is they weren't taking communion seriously. More specifically, they weren't taking Jesus seriously. There were all kinds of relational disunity, hatred for one another, and they were so disrespecting Jesus and communion, there were even men and women partaking of the elements while being drunk. I mean, Corinth was a mess. And so we don't put these warnings before you to scare you, but to help you to see the purpose of why we do this. It's more than just a wafer of bread. It's more than just juice. It's about Jesus. There is a person at the center of the communion meal. That's why we take this so seriously. So I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 11. And then set this up so we approach the table. And as we've seen that our sin is paid in full, we would celebrate that through the sacrament of Holy Communion together. Let's read what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body. Those are the words of Jesus there in red. Which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So when we approach the table, when we, we take these elements, the, the first truth that we need to be aware of regarding communion is communion remembers Jesus's sufficient sacrifice. He says in there two times, do this in remembrance of me. 
So it remembers Jesus's sufficient sacrifice. And when you come before Jesus, you consider the cross, you consider what he has done for you and what he has done for me. We need to be humble and confess the fact that we indeed are sinners. Even though our salvation is done, we've been perfected, we still have the need to confess our sin because sin doesn't stop at the work of the cross. Then we're sanctified, we become more like Jesus, and we have the need of daily cleansing to confess our sins. The beauty about Jesus is you don't have to confess your sin to anyone other than Jesus because he is the great high priest. He's the only one who can forgive. That's why we remind ourselves when we approach the sacrament of 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And we all need daily cleansing. We need to hit the reset button. We need to be focused appropriately. And and, and few things help you focus on Jesus in the best manner than confessing your sin and being cleansed before him. It's in remembrance of him. It's all about him. Secondly, communion reminds us Jesus is the only way. He's the only way. He himself said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You say, well, pastor, how do we know he's the only way? How do, how do we know out of all these religions in the world, it's only Jesus because he was the only one who could afford the payment. He was the only one who could afford it. His perfect life. And then thirdly, when we approach the sacrament, we see that Jesus communes with us at the table. Being a sacramental church, we believe that not only we experience the presence of God, but the grace of God as we meet him in this moment. He communes with us at the table. He provides his presence and he provides his grace. So at the end of the day, Jesus is here with us in in spirit, and I want you to envision as we prepare to partake together this evening that we're seated at the table, and here comes Jesus to have a seat right at the head of the table. You know what's beautiful about this is we know a lot more than the disciples knew. All the more why we should approach this in the right manner, because we know what would take place. The sacrament of communion is about belief. It's about what you believe. It's about confession. Who is your Lord? And it is a part of our practice of, as believers, to celebrate Jesus in the right manner. So I invite you to take your elements with me. If you agree to those truths, Now let us hear the words of the Lord. On the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he gave thanks and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
the same way our Lord said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink this in remembrance of me. You may now partake of the cup. So when we sum it all up this evening, the sacrifice of Jesus, when we put it all together, it's really about three nails, three words, it is finished. Three days of Jesus paying the price, and there's one result. Your sin is paid in full. I want you to just digest that for a minute. Three nails. Three words. It is finished. Three days. And one result, paid in full. I want us now to just take a moment before we close with a creative reminder that we have for you. To consider the sound of those nails. And when you hear the sound of the nails... I want you to think about the payment that Jesus provided for you and for me. When you hear the nails ring, may it strike in you a chord of worship and gratitude and humility. So may we just reflect on what Jesus did through the three nails tonight. beauty of the work of our Savior. There's nothing else to be done. Your sin, my sin, paid in full. Don't you let the enemy tell you otherwise. When you came in tonight, you received a card and a pen. Hopefully, if you didn't, there will be some volunteers in the back that can assist you. But if you'll take that card, that is an illustration to help you be reminded that your sin was paid in full. So you could write on that card, we're inviting you to write something along the lines of, if it were me, I could write Caleb's sin. 
make it personal. All of my sin. Or maybe you came in tonight with a particular struggle. And you need to write that particular struggle down. Because when, when you come to the cross, the result is it's paid in full. And we're going to invite you after you write this down on your way out tonight as we sing over you in a moment of reflection. As we have at these tables some customized stamps that read paid in full. So as you write whatever you feel led to write on your card, you'll bring it forward to the table. You'll take the stamp. And I want you to stamp right over the top of whatever you wrote on that card. And I want you to take that card with you and put it somewhere where you can be reminded that it's done. It's paid in full. Because we have so many people here, we need a little bit of instruction to manage the traffic, if you will. So if you're sitting on this side going to ask you to come down this aisle here to the stamps and then exit out the center. And we do want to leave this as a solemn moment of reflection. So if you would just leave quietly and we will look forward to seeing you on Resurrection Sunday. If you're on this side of the room, if you would come down this aisle to the front have your stamp moment, and then exit right out of the center the same. So we're exiting both this way and out of those doors there. And I'm going to invite you to come as you feel led to have a moment with the Lord and be reminded that your sin was paid in full. God, we give this moment to you. Bless this time of response, and may every person here be reminded to tell us die. It is finished. Please come as you feel led. Thanks for joining us this week. I really hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like more information on Crossroads Community Church, you can check out our website at crossroadsconnect.net. And if you are ever in our area, we would love to have you visit us in person at 3003 South Eola Road in Aurora, Illinois. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to having you join us again soon.